The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hey, this is Noah Averback-Katz, that's Rin from Star Trek Discovery, and you are listening to the Emerald Chain's favorite show, that's right, Osira tunes in, Aurelio tunes in, even Zareth wants to listen, it's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. From the 31st century future version of Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, listeners, one and all, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. This is episode number 284, and we are so excited to be here with you. So excited to be back. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. And of course, by we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and myself. You know, if there was some sort of temporal anomaly that I could send my co-host back through, I would make sure he was stranded in the most desolate of times, um, preferably alone, because really nobody should be exposed to this person for, for great lengths of time. You can all hear what it's done to me over the years, but um, he's, the, he's, he's, he's Dan Davidson. I, I, I don't even have anything descriptive for you because you're just that much of a drain covid was better than you um but welcome buddy wow bill i protest i am not a merry man well i don't get you were sending me back to a desolate place all by myself it made me think of robin sherwood forest is desolate. it is they have they you know in the in the disney version they have snake princes and and lion kings and you can't mix disney and star trek (laughs) well i'm actually playing my game that has robin hood in it right now so anyway I digress. How you doing, pal? It's good to see you again. You're back. You're good. healthy. Yay. <laughs> I I am healthy. I I uh I, I did I did get the Rona. Yes, you did. Um, I was down with COVID for a little bit. My wife got it first and then um I came down with it shortly thereafter. I was uh I was down and out for a couple of good weeks, yeah. uh, despite being double vaxxed and double boosted. Uh, I, I will say that it is the worst cold I've ever had in my life. That's what it wound up being. Um, the, the joint pa- pain was real. The headaches were real. The coughing was real. Um, the brain fog was probably the longest lasting symptom. That was very real. I only shook that recently. Uh, I've been but, feeling that for years. So, 
Well, you were, one might argue you were born that way. But. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm back and feeling much better. Finally testing negative, which I'm happy about. Yes. Um, but it was, uh, it was rough. You know, despite what people say about this thing, I am really glad that, that I have the, the vaccine in my system to make it uh, not as bad as it could have been. Well, uh, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I had a, a light version of it as well, but it still was no fun. So I'm glad that you're on the, me- or you have mended. I'm glad it wasn't uh, super tough for you or your lovely bride. And um, let's, let's stay away from it forever now, <laughs> especially yeah. in like 80, some 70 something days when we're heading to the desert. That would be very nice not to have to deal you with You just that don't know how to count. I don't have, the- I didn't look at my calendar today, so I don't know. It's 60. Uh, seven weeks. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's 40, 49 days. Okay. There we go. Excellent. 49 <laughs> days. There we go. See? And Dan, that's because there are seven days in a week seven. and there are seven days to go. Seven plus seven. No, plus seven, seven. Plus seven. Oh, or seven times seven if you want to do it the short way. Yes. Oh my okay. God. See? Math isn't hard. I'm good at this. Uh, math isn't hard, but apparently thinking is in your part. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm COVID free and, and excited to be back. And we're going to talk about something today that I did, um, during the break that, that caused a bit of a stir. Yeah, it, it did, but, uh, you weren't wrong. <laughs> I'll say that right now. We're going to get to it. Uh, you had a wonderful article, uh, show up over at, uh, treknews.net, our, our good friends over there. It was back in, in, uh, mid-May. This came out and it was an article called Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Discovery has problems and how they can be fixed. And it was an an interesting article about what you think is going on with Discovery and your uh, opinion on things and what you think can be done to fix said problems. So we decided, you know what, it caused a lot of discussion on social media and a lot of people have reached out to us about it. So we decided, you know what, let's, let's have an episode on it. Let's talk about it. Let's find out exactly why you think the way you do. Uh, I will say right now up front, I'm in agreement with just about everything, if not everything from your article. I thought it was great. Uh, and we're going to discuss it logically and we're not going to be insulting and degrading like we see when trolls do it on social media. We're going to actually have reasons for why we're saying what we're saying. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when I wrote this op-ed, I, I wanted to be as constructive as possible. And I wanted to approach it from the point of view of, of a fan, of someone who loves Discovery, because I do. Um, you know, it's you love Discovery. I love Discovery. We've been two of its its, its biggest supporters. Um, you know, we, we co-host what has kind of become the Discovery podcast on some, you know, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's time to acknowledge that every Trek has things that it could improve. Absolutely. Everyone from TOS right up through to current day. Mm -hmm. And I I thought it was time to examine some of those things. It doesn't lessen my love for discovery, but we'll get more into that um, as the show progresses. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, But uh, in the meantime, Mm -hmm. we should also mention that, uh, yeah, there's seven weeks until Vegas. <laughs> Fan Geeks Party 2022 is going to be incredible, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I I can't even. We sold that party out with the free tickets faster than we have ever done before. Yes, yes, we did. So a new venue. The amazing Tommy Rockers is wait. welcoming us with open arms. And um, pressure's on you and me, buddy. Ah, pressure. Come on now. It's going to be so much fun. I can't, I don't know, pressure in those situations until about we two gotta... minutes beforehand. And then I'm going to be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> then you start this flop <laughs> sweat. 
<laughs> it's going to be awesome. And, and, and what's cool is we're going to be doing some things that we've never done before at this party. We're not going to give too many of these secrets away, but let me just tell you, you want to be there. That is going to be the place to be that Friday night because there's going to be some amazing things happening. There's, of course, with our friends' fansets, there's going to be some awesome giveaways too. We're going to give away a metric ton of their stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know how they make money after that party <laughs> because we, you and I give away pretty much the house. Pretty much. A metric ton in space doesn't weigh anything either. So that's a good thing. That's a f- Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right. Although I, I, you teased this a little bit. I will say there's a really good potential that you and I could be joined by some amazing friends. Yes, and we'll leave it at that. And that's all we're going to say. That's gonna all say. we're going to say. Yeah, it'll be so uh, pretty if awesome. You're, if you're going to Fan Geeks Party 2022, um, you're not going to believe it. If you aren't yet going to Fan Geeks Party 2022, there will be a, an extremely number, limited number Very. of tickets available in Vegas, and we'll have details on how you might be able to get those in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess the only two words I can say are get ready. Get ready. It's happening. <laughs> oh, it is? Did you not get the memo? Oh, crap. Sorry. Daniel, since we were just talking about them, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And you know, in addition to that, we want to wish them the, the happiest of birthdays. You know, during our little COVID-induced hiatus, or we should say my COVID-induced hiatus, they celebrated their sixth birthday, and we couldn't be more proud of them. And and just, well, happy birthday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't say it any better than that, man. Happy birthday, fansets. And even though it's their birthday, they're letting us, the fans, celebrate with some amazing news. First of all, Coming up very soon, they're letting us, the fans, know that if you're going to be anywhere near Ticonderoga, New York this summer, you're going to want to make sure you head over to the official Star Trek tour where William Shatner beams in July 15th through 17th because Fansets is going to be there too with some amazing new products. They can't wait to see you. And here's an even extra special bonus. Bill Smith is going to be there with Fansets that very same weekend. I, I, am going to be, I might just give away a bunch of their stuff down. (laughs) We're not uh, waiting for Vegas. (laughs) I can't be trusted. Speaking of stuff, buddy, uh, they absolutely blew our minds the other day when they announced the brand spanking new prodigy set of pins. Now you can get the whole set of seven for only 49 95 right now at fansets.com. And this set includes doll, Gwen, rock talk, zero, Jenkum pog, Murph, and of course, hologram Janeway. And even more good news, the newest Deltas are now available at fansets.com, including the future Imperfect Admiral pin and Magnetic Delta, along with the Star Trek II Captain and Commander pins. Plus, love this one, it's one of my favorites, the DS9 Voyager Mini Delta is available. I love those things. They go on my tie, they put them on my lapel. They're awesome. Fansets, dude, It's you can't even say anything more than this. They've been really busy. <laughs> You know, Busy just doesn't even cut it. I mean, they've managed to release the latest Women of Trek pin, and it's the one and only Emperor Giorgio. I mean, they just keep adding more and more and more pins. Glitter. So, the glitter. Yeah. Lots of glitter. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. It happens this point every episode. Head on over to fansets.com. Put that amazing Prodigy set and the newest Deltas and a whole bunch of other pins and accessories in your cart. And then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TrekGeeks. 
for 10% off your entire order. That's Trek Geeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive triple, is celebrating a big anniversary this year, and you get the savings. You know, to celebrate three years of triple adoption, Science Division is having their giant anniversary sale. Now, for a limited time, you can get $5 off a standard size triple, $10 off a giant limited edition triple, and for a limited time, their brand new line of accessories is available for purchase online. This includes extra soft heather blue t-shirts and eco-friendly black tote bags, each featuring the Science Division Gamma Rayburst logo in white. Science Division supports local businesses, and the t-shirts and tote bags are supplied by a print shop in their hometown. Plus, you can get free shipping in the United States with purchases of two or more items with the code SHIPFREE. That's S-H-I-P-F-R-E-E in all capital letters with no spaces. Awesome. But, you know, you got to hurry. You got to get on over to ScienceDIV.com right now because the Science Division Anniversary Sale runs now through 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, July 31st. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Buddy, when left with enough time hmm. and um, not not a lot to do, I um I tend to get myself into trouble. Yeah, you do. And I might have done that a little bit. Yeah, you did. Um, when I decided to write an op-ed for for TrekNews.net, um, which I initially called the problem, quote unquote, with Discovery, um, they had the presence of mind to know that that wasn't a great title mm-hmm. for the piece, um, and they changed it to something that was a little more constructive. Uh, we are calling this episode that because um, I think it's important to highlight what I view a growing number of fans have an increasing difficulty with as far as discovery goes. Um, I don't think that there's an actual problem like, oh my God. But I think there are some things that we need to talk about as far as discovery goes because um, I, I feel it working itself into a a box exactly a very tiresome box yeah does that make sense it it makes perfect sense and and the way that you worded it in your uh in your um op-ed was excellent and i i recommend anybody listening if they haven't read it already head on over to treknews.net and read it because it really has some great points now bill mentioned it earlier before we started our our discussion here today 
We love Discovery. I love Discovery. You love Discovery. We will support it. We defend it. We love it. But with anything, there can be issues with something that you love. Just because we think that Kirk fighting a guy in a white room that's supposed to be an alternate universe and it's a really bad fight sucked. That doesn't mean TOS sucked and we hated it. No, it's not. Right. It has right. it, every, like you said, every series has issues. So we're here to talk about it. I think it's going to be a great discussion. And it, you know, I know that it, it's caused some, some issues on social media and, and we've had discussions about people's reactions, but I really think it's a good discussion and one that it's about time we had because we're coming up on season five and we've been dealing with this issue now for four seasons. <laughs> We have it. It's the kind of thing that's only progressively gotten bigger, mm-hmm. and and we'll talk about that. You know, you, you you hit it on the head. We are fans. We do love this show. We will always defend this show. And honestly, it's good television. Um, but I mean, it, the one thing I found in in having this article published was that sometimes a portion of fandom defends Discovery just a little too stridently. Mm-hmm. I understand that people feel a deep connection to this series, partly because of the characters, partly because of the writing, partly because of the representation that it gives us in today's television landscape. Mm -hmm. I love and respect all of that. But it's like you said, just, you know, we, people love and revere Star Trek, the next generation, but I can't find a single person that likes code of honor. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Star Trek, the next generation is a bad series. Um, gatekeepers of any kind are problematic. And I understand that these fans that defend discovery with every fiber they're being have done a lot of gatekeeper fighting. Totally understand. This is not what we're trying to do with this discussion. Mm -hmm. We're not gatekeeping at all. No. And, and this is the thing we, uh, unlike what gatekeepers do, is we're going to give our opinions of what we think the quote problem with discovery is in our discussion today. That doesn't mean what you like or dislike about discovery is wrong or right. It is you. It is your opinion. That's something that we always preach here on Trek Geeks. Everybody's fandom is their own. We just happen to have two microphones in front of us. So we're talking about it to the people that, or the three or four people that listen to us. Um, And (laughs) like I said, it doesn't mean that, that you're wrong with your opinion. It doesn't mean that we're wrong with our opinion. It's just something that we want to discuss and and I like to think that we will do it in a way that is respectful because that's what we do. We respect Star Trek. Absolutely. And as you've said many times on this show, there has never been a better time to be a Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. In in history, this point in our lives is the best time. Star Trek Discovery is an undeniable success. Without it, we would not have all of the Star Trek we're getting now. Absolutely. Um, it, Paramount Plus is an is a a vast success because it just keeps expanding mm-hmm. and we keep getting more Star Trek. So we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to this franchise and we readily acknowledge that. Absolutely. Um, I think if Discovery was a failure in its first season, we wouldn't see anything that has come after it. Um, they would have decided to, you know, put the final lid on it, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. But Discovery started the re- birth i don't know if that's the right word of star trek modern day star trek it created modern day star trek and it has just snowballed into what we have now this embarrassment of riches like you said of of star trek in our universe now cbs and paramount do not produce more of things that are failures right 
Um, and in fact, CBS has canceled shows that would be top performers on other networks simply because they don't perform as well as say, I don't know, NCIS. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they, they're not in the business of losing money and losing subscribers with this service. So, um, so, so all of that said, um, I, I think it's important to look at where discovery has come from. You mentioned how, you know, each of the four seasons, everything is huge. And I think I'd like to say that they always face an unbelievable threat to humanity and or sentient life. And the stakes just keep getting higher and higher and higher to the point where you wonder if they have anywhere to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you just said it, you know, what could be higher a threat than the annihilation of all sentient life but yet after that threat is resolved we have yet another season with a bigger threat it's like (laughs) like, really what's huh (laughs) you know in the season four you know press availabilities i i spoke with michelle paradise the showrunner for star trek discovery and i asked her i said you know look um each season the stakes get higher and higher and higher at what point are they too high you know, at what point, you know, does, does that not work anymore? And she said, well, that's kind of always the goal with Discovery, especially, you know, from from Alex Kurtzman's lips, mm-hmm. um, is that they always want it to be, you know, sort of a, a major crisis event that Discovery must respond to. And I understand that. I get that that's the vision, but I don't think it's working out so well at this point. Because if you look, season one, the fate of humanity was on the line with the Klingon War. Yes. Season two followed the path of the Red Angel, and they had to figure out that mystery before all life in the galaxy was obliterated. Good old control. Yeah, good old control. Uh, wiping out everything that, that lives. <laughs> Season three was the after effects of the burn and the growing threat of a second occurrence of that phenomenon. So certainly ma- mass casualty event mm-hmm. um, affecting the entire galaxy. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and then season four had our crew trying to find the creators of the dark matter anomaly, which threatened all life on earth and Navarre and other planets. If the DMA was not stopped like books. So uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Quajon. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to, I, I think season two was kind of the pinnacle of, you know, um, high stakes, yeah. but they've tried to make subsequent seasons seem like the stakes are even higher. Right. And, that part hasn't worked for me, to be honest. And, and and you're right. I mean, I mean, how many times have we seen in TOS they did it in a way that that worked and wasn't this? Oh my God, this is going to be the the destruction of everything. How many times was the Enterprise the only ship in the quadrant? Right. And that's exactly what they're doing with Discovery. To a point, there are other ships involved, but it always has to be Discovery is in the front and center now. That can be good or bad. When you look at what's going on when we see season three and season four, they're an antique ship. I mean, sure, they get some retrofits and stuff like that, but they're 900 years in the past, 900-year-old technology, but yet they're the only one that can deal with this with this issue the way they do. Is it just because of the spore drive or is it just because it's discovery and discovery has to face this gigantic problem pretty much all by itself? Right. And then the other thing that's piled on top of this, so not only is there the, the galactic threat to some example, but each season is sort of this intricate p- puzzle that has to be solved before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Discovery's the only ship that can do it. Um, it's a format that 
that I've been referring to as the puzzle box because other people refer to it as the mystery box and that's not entirely accurate. Um, but you know, it's, they have to solve this in the nick of time. They get 10 to 14 episodes to do it, depending on which season of, of you're watching. And then you sprinkle in some plot twists and maybe some, some red herrings, maybe a head fake here or there. Um, and then you top it off with some good character building, some relationships, and then some Star Trek-like messages that resonate to get the puzzle solution. And that seems to be what has happened every year so far. I would agree with that 100%. Yes, absolutely. The problem is, it's kind of exhausting. It can be very tiring, especially if you're... Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backstep that. Is it more exhausting when you're binge-watching? Or is it more exhausting when you're watching week to week? I found both to be true. Mm. Um, because it, it, like we said, everything is is on the line. Yeah. Every single episode. There are minor downshifts from time to time. I feel like there are times where they've taken a step back and have really been able to reset the, the tension level. Like take season one, for example, magic to make the sanest man go mad. The Harry mud episode is a perfect downshift, perfectly placed in that season. Um, and they've done it in other seasons too, but it's, it's a, it's an occasional occurrence and doesn't happen almost nearly enough. Um, because you just keep growing the threat until you get to the end. It's like, Oh, it's over now. Right. And, uh, I, I hate to say it because I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm. I'm. I'll use that as an example. I'm afraid that people, and I think that we have we have discussed this ourselves. When you're having those episodes, which are extremely few and far between in Discovery, it feels like it's shoehorned in there, and it's not in there for the right reason, or it's not in there at the right time. And that, as much as we're kind of kind of talking about how this whole puzzle box issue is a problem, it completely disrupts the thought process of what's going on and, and what we're expecting or hoping to expect with the rest of that puzzle box problem. Does that make sense? Right. It that's where I, that's where I find myself saying, okay, what, what does this have to do with anything? Because discovery is built on season long arcs. That's what they've been like every single season. So mm -hmm. when you have something that's not part of the arc, you kind of like what's going on and that can be good and that can be bad. Well, I'm sure we're going to get into that at some point. Well, you know, and I feel that, that all of that does a, ultimately a disservice to the viewer. Um, at this point, as a viewer myself, I have a hard time buying to whatever the threat will be in the future because I've been down this road four other times. I, I know how this works out. And when the threat is constantly so high, it inevitably leads to the point where there is simply just nowhere left to go. Exactly. Yep. Um, and, and that really can be tiring. It can be tiring and it can get to the point, and this is where I thought, and I don't even think I've used this term ever on Trek Geeks. I don't want them to start jumping the shark because I'm, I'm afraid right. that they're going to get to the point where they're not going to have anything left and they're going to come up with something that's so outrageous that you might as well just get Fonzie on a set of skis and go water skiing somewhere. <laughs> Over the shark. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it's natural for people to say, but some of the other shows do this too. They do, not to the extent that Discovery does it. Picard does it very differently. Um, season two, I don't think, was nearly as tiring as Discovery season four, because you had a multitude of things going on mm -hmm. with Picard, and uh, a lot of it was not high-stakes action. Exactly. It wasn't end-of-galaxy-type endgame either, if, it was, if, it wasn't, if they didn't succeed. Right. 
Picard had a mystery to solve, mm-hmm. but the fate of humanity wasn't necessarily on the table every season. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, and of course, Lower Decks is more episodic. It's a fun show. It's comedic by design. Right. Prodigy is still kind of exposing us to what the story really is going to be in the first 10 episodes. Um, and Strange New Worlds is very different because it's episodic in nature. So it's not going to suffer from this same issue that Discovery has, um, which seems to affect other shows like, say, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Or or some of the other shows. Yep. I, I think that Game of Thrones eventually suffered from the same problem. Um Although the stakes were different in Game of Thrones, if that makes sense. I think it does. And it's funny when we think about this. We, we're talking about these these arcs of and, – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate the season-long arc and the destruction of all life as we know it into two different things for a moment. Yeah. Star Trek is the one that started season-long arcs with Deep Space Nine. I mean, they're the first television series that actually did that. So it's funny that we're talking about how it's happening still, but at a level that's so much higher and so much more is at stake – that we do get that fatigue that that we're talking about with with uh, with today's discussion, and I think that when they do things like this with the season long arcs with so much at stake, it takes away from when we do have those moments of character development, which are very important for the people that love the characters in Discovery. I think that that has suffered. They've tried to do a bunch of character development, but I don't think it's been as as successful or as as much as I think some people would have liked to seen based on the fact that they had to focus so much on what was going on with the threat. No, and I think that's true. Um, you brought up Deep Space Nine a minute ago. I've always viewed Deep Space Nine as having a series arc. Oh, yes, that's true too. Yep. Which, and also some nested series arcs. So I, I'm sorry, season arcs. I, I feel like they've had a couple of different levels going mm-hmm. on there. Um, but the one thing that Deep Space Nine did better than any other show I've ever watched was finding a way to tell one-off stories multiple times a season, despite the fact that there's an ongoing Dominion War. Take me out to the Hollow Suite, anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. In the cards? It didn't take away from anything either. Yeah, it's there. Are, there's a, a ton of episodes of Deep Space Nine that are you can watch without seeing any of the other existing Dominion War stuff mm-hmm. and still have a good feel for what's going on. Absolutely. And I don't think that and it's funny. I, we sound kind of hypocritical when we talk, well, Deep Space Nine did it right, but Discovery's not doing it right. Well, Dis- Discovery's if you, if you have one of these, if you want to call them any of these episodes that are one-off, are they really one-off? Because there's always something tying in the episode to that giant 10, 15 episode arc that's going on in that season. So if let's say, for example, you were watching an episode which was building on the relationship uh, or I'm sorry, on the character of Adira. Okay, great. It's Adira conversation is great, but what is what is this burn thing everybody's talking about? You can't do what you just said a minute ago, which is watch right. an episode and not have to worry about anything going on in the overlong season or series arc. And I think that that can hurt new it can hurt how new viewers might respond to a show well and i i fundamentally you know acknowledge that the way people watch television has changed right you know thank thanks to binging thanks to streaming um you know we've also mentioned many times both here and on discovering trek that discovery is like a novel for television Mm -hmm. that's told across 13 14 chapters each episode is a chapter in that novel and i understand i really do but as we start to talk about how this maybe could be improved or changed constructively, I think it's time to take that puzzle box 
and just put it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. If they want to write a good season-long arc, great. Write a good season-long arc. I don't need a bunch of head fakes. I don't need a bunch of red herrings. I'm going to watch it. If you tell a compelling story over, I don't know, 15 episodes, 13 episodes, whatever, and you tell it well, um, nobody's going to miss the mystery of the puzzle. Now, take a look at a series like Bosch which is told over 10 episodes, which actually solves a mystery without a huge bunch of head fakes Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, tricking the viewer into something else. It does it in a very creative and intelligent way. Now, I'm not saying it needs to become, you know, a a procedural whodunit every week, but there are ways to write the series where, you know, you're not constantly having to unsolve the puzzle. And on top of the puzzle, take away the huge threat. Make it something smaller, please. I mean, I mean, because that, because like you said, that is exhausting, and it's it's fiction. I understand that, but can you imagine the stress and the anxiety that this crew must go through because they have been the ones who are responsible to save every sentient life in the universe more than once? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how do these people not have PTSD? <laughs> where's the where's where's Deanna Troy when we need her? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing too. I mean, we've talked about the arcs. Um, It's not that we don't like arcs in our storytelling, but I think that Discovery would be better served by kind of adopting what Enterprise did in its fourth season, and that is introducing a series of mini arcs. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, you can still have a serialized format. That doesn't have to go away, but all of these mini arcs can lead to the larger, you know, uh, overarching season theme if you want to. But it would be a great way to allow expanded storytelling. You could do some bigger things with this wonderful cast of characters that we have. You could tell more personal stories where, like you said, um, it's not the fate of the galaxy. I I really think that they're missing out here by not doing something along those lines. Right. I I absolutely agree. And you said something that that I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but it kind of ties together. And that's the characters. Just because we're saying what we think uh, are are some of the issues with discovery and and with these large arcs and everything i sometimes think that they have made some missteps in character development um i think you and i have talked i don't know if we talked about it on discovering trek or not but but we all remember tilly at the beginning of the series she was very unsure of herself um she wasn't sure she was in the right place um she had fears she had anxieties and then through the course of the seasons that she was on, she became a much stronger character, much more sure of herself, and was a good officer. When we first meet, met Adira, she was extremely um, sure of her of, of themselves, and they were strong and seemed to know exactly what they wanted with what was going on. And once the decision was made that Tilly was no longer going to be part of the show, all of a sudden, Adira became the shell of Tilly from season one, where they were unsure of themselves and were always nervous and had a lot of anxiety. And I thought that was something that just came out of left field. And it it was very it was disappointing to me that they took that character and portrayed them in that way. I thought it was I thought it was a misstep for for the season. No, I agree with you, but it is emblematic of a larger problem. And like you said, um, I'm going to read this word for word from, from my op-ed because I, I think that it's, it's stated about as well as I could say it. And, and this point is give the bridge crew something substantive. 
Speaking of wonderful characters, after four seasons, we've seen so precious little of the rest of Discovery's bridge crew. Owosakun, Detmer, Bryce, Reese, and Nilsson could all use some more stories featuring their characters' development. The one time we got an episode that really focused on one of the other bridge officers, it was Arium, and that character died in the same episode. Mm-hmm. We've learned a little about them each year, or some of them anyway, but it's time to feature them prominently and to do it more often. As much as I love the character and the journey she's been on, Burnham doesn't have to do everything. She's the captain now. She should learn how to delegate. And and I think what you say there is perfect. And the corner that Discovery has boxed itself into it's great that this has a cast of so many people. There's so much great talent on, on, in this cast. It, it, everyone from the bridge to sick bay, everywhere. You got so many characters, but because you're focusing on one giant end game, you don't have time to develop these characters. And I think that's a disservice to these great actors. I do too. Uh, you know, and that's, that's been a criticism of discovery since season one. You know, one of the things that fans of Discovery really liked was the season two premiere brother, you know, where Pike went around the bridge and everybody got to introduce themselves. It still stands out because um, you actually got to learn some of the full names of the characters, (laughs) which we hadn't done before. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I, I, there is, you know, it's, I've said this, you know, many different ways to people, you know, online. Discovery is a deep bench of talent. Very deep. We've got some great actors working on this show, and some of them do do little more than Hailing Frequencies Open Captain. I understand. The show's not about them. I understand this is Burnham's journey. I totally get it. But I feel like we're wasting an opportunity if everything, every time is Burnham. And now I'm a huge Michael Burnham fan. I'm a huge Sonequa Martin-Green fan. Lover. But, I mean... Picard wouldn't get to do half of this stuff. <laughs> and is, you know what I'm saying? And isn't the president the one that pointed out to Burnham in this season that why do you have to take care of everything? Why are you yes. always the one that needs to do it? And is that like the writers writing about themselves a little bit about, about yeah. this corner that they put themselves into? Because you're right. It is, it is definitely Sonequa. She's the star and her character is the main focal point. But like you said, she's captain now. Let's delegate and focus on what these other people are doing based on her orders. You know, this season alone in season four, we got some really good, good gems with Owosakun and Reese and Detmer. Bryce was off, you know, on doing something else. Um, you know, uh, Nilsson could have had a little more to do, but there's no reason why we can't find out more about these people's lives. Mm-hmm. Originally, I had hoped for short treks featuring all the Discovery Bridge crew um, that would expand their backstory. Now, I just want it incorporated into Discovery because we're five seasons in. It would seem to me that if it did it as a short trek, it'd kind of be like a second-hand thing. Ah, let's do it over there. We don't have to worry about it on the main show. Well, yes and no. We got one of the best short treks ever produced is the one about Saru and how he joined Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Well, what I mean by the by what you said is perfect example. If you do it in short treks, it's taking away from what they're doing on the show itself. I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, so, I mean, I, I really think it's time. The Arium story in season two is fantastic. It is a really great episode of Star mm-hmm. Trek. You you get all the feels. Yes. And I get there's some people who don't because they complain, well, we didn't know the character. Right. Um, but there have been plenty of characters that have 
died in their first appearance. Knew the character Trek. enough that everybody got mad that they killed her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got emotional. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, because of what it did for Burnham. Right. Yet we die, Gordon. Mm, that happens a lot here. <laughs> I've heard. God, it'd be really nice if this show were more like Mission Line. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I I really think that it's time to pull from the bench. It's time to put in some some relievers and and have some some great episodes dedicated to them. You could do a one-off episode, kind of like Lower Decks and Next Generation, and feature just the bridge crew. Yeah. I, away from why not? the bridge. Why not? I mean, I don't want to take away anything that we might be scheduled in the outline later, but it, it, it look at what's going on in strange new worlds. I mean, it's just, it's, they're doing that the right way. They're doing things in strange new worlds where they're able to do that and not take away from anything. Well, and I think that's really the difference between the episodic storytelling yeah. and the season long, you know, arc of doom. <laughs> Arc of the I like that. <laughs> well, that's really what it, it is, right? You know, because episodic TV thrives on character stories. Right. It really does. Whereas the the Discovery Arc doesn't necessarily. It it thrives on the development of Michael Burnham. It's done very well, but there's so much more there. But I mean, you bring up a great point, and this was one of the other things I brought up in the op-ed, is get episodic every now and then. Yeah. Discovery has done it from time to time. We'd mentioned Deep Space Nine did it exceedingly well. Um, but there's no reason why they can't get a little more episodic. And if the launch of Strange New Worlds, as you mentioned, have taught us anything, is that episodic Star Trek will never go out of style. Never. As a matter of fact, it seems to be getting better with time, with age. Even though it's new episodes, it's just it's just getting better. Well, and that brings up the Strange New Worlds effect, you know, what I like to, to talk about. The the reaction to Strange New Worlds has been unlike anything that I, I imagined. Mm -hmm. I think we both thought it would be successful, but I don't think that either you or I thought it would be the runaway hit that it is with this fandom. Is that fair? I think it's more than fair. Um, we both expect it. I mean, based on what we saw, I mean, they, they let's be honest. Strange New World came about because the fans loved Pike. And that storyline in season two of Discovery. If that didn't happen, this would not, Strange New Worlds would not have happened. Anson Mount did such a great job along with Rebecca and Ethan, and, and they deserve all the credit in the world. And we were excited about it. And we were excited when we heard it was going to return to the TOS episodic. No way in hell did any of us think it was going to do what it has done in this first nine episodes and the season finale, which will be tomorrow as we record right now. I mean, it has been on a level the success and the amount of, of, of love that this show has garnered so quickly is on a level that I never would have expected because unfortunately in today's world with where we are with social media and the ability to hide behind a name or a pseudo name and say horrible things and hide in a corner, that doesn't seem to have happened as much as you would have thought it would with a new episode of Star Trek, because we know how awful some people can be on social media. I, I haven't seen it. Maybe I haven't been looking in the right place, which is good. Um, but it's been so positive and so great. I, I, I'm shocked. There are still people out there who hate Strange New Worlds. Um, and there are some people out there who don't like it as much as Discovery. And that, that part's fine. I have no problem mm -hmm. with that. But I think that there's a there's a contingent in, among fandom that, that thinks that um, people only want the episodic storytelling because of strange new worlds. 
Um, and while it's incredibly popular, um, I, I think it's important for the two shows to be different, honestly. Well, that's what I was going to actually just say. And you may have just answered my question before I even ask it is, do you think that, I mean, we're talking about what we think is, is an issue with discovery. And, you know, if the, if the writers and, you know, showrunners were smart, they'd be listening to us, but they don't, which is okay. And if, do you think that it's possible that they are purposely going to stick with discovery the way they do episodic, not going to worry about building on these character developments and stuff like that, because that's what they've started with and now they have another show to deal with that other aspect of star trek that everybody likes with the with the episodic tv and the character development specific episodes specifically on one character do you think that they don't want to intermingle the two i mean you can say that in a, in a way strange new world has a little bit of an arc going on but it doesn't it doesn't drive the entire story whereas the arc does drive the story of discovery with a little bit of character development thrown in kind of opposite well, Strange New Worlds has a character development arc, and that just means that it doesn't develop amnesia yeah. like TOS did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they intentionally want to keep the formats separate because they don't want to intermingle you know, the, uh, the storytelling mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more because Kurtzman wants Discovery to be big and epic every single season. Yeah. And that's if that's what he wants, that's fine. Um, but I... Like I said, I, I feel like it's causing burnout for a lot of fans. And I, I think ultimately that's the problem. Um, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that, that Discovery did really, really well in season four was the whole first contact storyline with Species 10C. Um, the, the, the race that originated the, mm-hmm. the DMA, the dark matter anomaly. Um, it was really its own challenge and its own mystery. And I thought that it was something the show did really well, even if it took too many episodes to do it, because there just wasn't, a, you know, 10, 12 episodes there. Right. That really was a three episode mm-hmm. thing. Um, but it took the concept of seeking out new life and new civilizations, and it took that 31st, uh, 32nd century spin, which I thought worked exceedingly well as far as Discovery storytelling. Discovery really kind of leaned into that first contact and I thought it worked really well because Star Trek has always taught us that the unknown isn't something to be feared, but we should always strive to understand it. I think if they did that more, I think that there wouldn't be this sort of crisis fatigue or burnout that I'm talking about. Well, don't you think it's interesting that those episodes that focus specifically on Species 10C are what people consider the best episodes of the season? I, th- I don't think I that's by coincidence. Uh, I don't either. and and I think that's what that they need to focus on a little bit more um, in order to to continue to be successful because they have been very successful. It is a very successful show, like we said all along. We love it. Just because we're talking about what we'd like to see change a little bit doesn't mean anything negative. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They took that vision, they put it into three episodes, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, these episodes were great." They were fan- the, the best episodes of the season until the end, the couple things in the end, which drove me crazy, but I don't want to get into well, that. Right? That's because they were pure Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. You know, yep. They're the types of stories that, that Gene created from the get-go, from the first script for the cage, right up to today's iterations. And when Discovery leans into Star Trek's roots mm-hmm. and revisits them in its own way, it works for them brilliantly. It, I mean, it's, it, it's, gr- it's, it's fantastic television. It, it really is. Um, so that's why I don't think they necessarily need to revert back to the, you know, all life in the galaxy is at stake. Um, because 
uh, it didn't have to be this season. And ultimately they wound up with a really great first contact story that was inventive. And if I were the captain, I'd be like, okay, every life forms in danger again. We took care of it last time. It's not as bad a threat as you think it is. Let's just go play hollow tennis or something. Yeah, Parisi Squares. <laughs> hollow tennis. What the hell is that? Do, do you think by the 32nd century, anybody has figured out Parisi Square? <laughs> we'll have to ask, uh, we'll have to ask uh, Mr. Frakes that next time we talk to him. Or how not to get injured. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I could be wrong about this, but it seems like they're all doing it really wrong. I think so. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it, Discovery is, it, it, I feel like we keep having to come back to the fact that Discovery is great. Fantastic. It's the cornerstone of modern Star Trek. And without it, nothing that we have today would be happening. Strange New Worlds absolutely would not be happening. Mm-hmm without Star Trek Discovery. Yep. So, I mean, we owe it a lot. And you and I have had many conversations with people who work on Discovery over the years. We stand in awe of what they've created. We look forward to the next season. Um, but I really think it's time to just sort of circle the wagons. I mean, they've made a major change in the show before. That's true. You know, going from the prequel or pre-TOS era mm-hmm. To the 32nd century. Yeah, that's a big jump. Um, which I still think was a mistake, but that's just me. Uh-huh. Well, it's just me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no reason why they they need to 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 make a, a significant change about it. They could just write starting or start by writing smaller stories. Yeah, more personal stories, and I, I think that would solve a lot of the problem. And I use problem in air quotes. Yeah, we've been using air quotes so much in this episode, nobody can see us actually doing it. Now, now, know, people, one of the things that you said in your article, which I loved, and it, and it's true, people want to sit there and call us armchair quarterbacks for 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 talking about these things right now after the fact. We're not involved in these shows. Everybody does it. We're not the only people who do it. Everybody does it with every facet of everything: sports, television, everything. It's a valid criticism, but it doesn't mean that it can't be said. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, because it, it's, it, you know, the whole point of bringing up these type of topics is to have intelligent, meaningful conversation about it. I don't think it's wrong to bring up these things that we think are a problem. And I, I, I'm not going to be a fool and say, I know they're going to change it based on this discussion, but it would be nice to see some things change. And, and even if it has nothing to do with us, just to know that, that, that things can change for the better based on how people perceive them. Absolutely. I mean, the, the goal is to talk about the idea and to do it in a way that respects the, the content and the people who create it and the fandom that loves it. I mean, if anything, I've learned from, from this op-ed being published that not everyone agrees with Mm -hmm. this and that's fine. I have no problems with that. Um, because ultimately there are people who love the show the way it is. And that's, that's probably the highest compliment people could give discovery and, and, and to the people who create it. Um, it's not that I don't love it. It's just that it's, I'm weary after two years of pandemic, um, four years of, of galactic stakes being high, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and all of that stuff. Um, I, I could use some, some entertainment in my entertainment. Right. And one of the things I will also say is, is I have, I have liked seeing, Many of the responses that people have sent in regards to your article, man, a lot of them have been in agreement. A lot of them have been in disagreement respectfully. You're always going to get these people like, oh, well, geez, you sit there and say how much you love discovery. And then the first thing you do is talk about all the things that are wrong with it. That doesn't mean that you don't love it. 
I mean, I hmm. I got problems with my kids. Do you not think I don't love them? I mean, I, I mean, it, you can't be that you can't be that black and white, squared circle. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Um, I give you all the credit in the world for doing what you did, knowing that you were going to get responses that are not entirely classful or classy. Um, but you know what? You're a big boy. You got big boy pants on, and you did a great job. And I I commend you for it, man. I assure you I have no pants. <laughs> I didn't want to tell oh. anybody that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I respected everyone who took the time to reply, with the exception of the people who said, um, Discovery sucks, Kurtzman sucks. Yeah. It should all be, you know, deleted right. from existence. It's not real Star Trek. It's yeah, I, I have no patience or tolerance for all of that because um it's it's disgusting. Yeah, it is. Um that's just people wanting to gatekeep and I have no tolerance for that. And honestly, those people weren't my target audience anyway. Exactly. And they never are. Right. Absolutely. They're not my audience they're not my target audience with this podcast, and they're certainly not for that op-ed that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um to me that's that's a, a an irrelevant and an invalid line of thought. Um it is Star Trek. It exists. It's pretty great. Without it, we wouldn't have what we have today. Right. So um uh, non sequitur does not compute. Oh, wow. That was, I don't Thank understand you. what most of that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand why you wouldn't understand this, not compute. Um, anyway, idiot. Thank you. Um, that said, season five of Discovery has just gotten underway. Can't wait. Um, I can imagine that it's going to be another um, season long arc. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I will watch it. Yep. See, that's the I'll other thing. I'll be happy about it. Yes. Yeah, we may have issues with some of the things that happen, but we're excited for it. We're going to watch it. We're going to love it. That's it. I mean, and that's it. Yeah. I'm not saying Discovery is better or worse than any other show. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Strange New Worlds or Picard or Lower Decks or Prodigy is better or worse than any other Star Trek show. Um, I'm, I'm evaluating Discovery based on its own merit. I'm not comparing it to anything else other than... What's happened in Star Trek before that might benefit the series? There you go. And that's it. It's a good way to look at it. Um, so so really, that's that's kind of it. I mean, I, I know even I understand that this podcast episode is going to generate some feedback, positively or negatively. I totally get it. Um, people may agree with this 100%, 50%, 0%, whatever. Um, it, it, it's your opinion, and that doesn't make you wrong. It just makes it what you believe. Right. I respect that. Absolutely. So... Uh, if you have some some thoughts about it, you can always download the TriKeeks app and send us some feedback through the app, and, and we'd be happy to to talk about it on a future episode or even reply back directly. Um, you can hit us on social media or pretty much anywhere we can be found, or you can yell at me in Vegas. I was going to so. say, seven weeks, and we face-to-face with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> or mask-to-mask, whatever. That's that true. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that kind of does our uh, our look at the air quoted problem with discovery. Um, here's hoping that, that, uh, there's even more discovery on the way for a long, long time, Dan. Let's fly. Um, I don't have a pilot's license and I certainly don't know how to fly. So, so I got, a, I got one more question actually, before we wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. So does your whole thing about, you know, one, uh, one Star Trek series is no better than another series. Does that also work with co-hosts of a podcast that so one is just as good as the other and no i didn't think so because we're not canon <laughs> i like to shoot you out of one though <laughs> well that means you'd have a whole lot more work to do i don't think we're gonna <laughs> do that that's true i'm not gonna do it all <laughs> yeah because i know you're a lazy bastard <laughs> and like we said nothing wrong with that 
it's somebody can be, somebody can't be. It's all good. I want to point out that behind <laughs> you, over your left shoulder, is your ironing board with your iron. Yes. And is that your underwear? No, that is actually one of those things to fold shirts that Sheldon uses in the Big Bang Theory. I actually have one of those. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with you right now. Um, yeah. So anyway, five-year mission. <laughs> oh, right. We're still on the show, aren't we? We recording? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, it's not the outtake. Um <laughs> Dan, our friends, the band five, your mission, who have a rather eponymously titled podcast here on the Trek Geeks podcast network. They provide all of the music you hear on Trek Geeks, and we are so, so glad that they are a part of of this network. They recently put out an episode on one of your favorite episodes of the original series, The Alternative Factor. Oh, we just talked about that, actually. That's funny. I didn't even know that. And then look at that. I talk about the episode. I know. Wow. I know. It's actually not one of your favorite episodes. No, I hate no, it. I'm I pretty don't sure. like it at all. Um, that's because it's it's not a great episode, but <laughs> it's part of their What Are Little Songs Made Of series on yes. the podcast, and they talk about the episode and writing the song that ins- that it was inspired by. That's so, fantastic. Um, check out all their music. Go to fiveyearmission.net. Get all their CDs. Get them in your hands. Become a huge fan of the band, uh, because we are... Um, you know, why not? They're amazing. They are amazing. And you know what else is amazing is the episode Balance of Terror. I actually just watched that with my wife the other night. It's a, really? it's a fantastic episode. Cla- classic TOS. Well, I wanted her to watch it. I thought it'd be good for her to, you know, get back into a, an important episode such as Balance of Terror. And it, and it got me thinking of that one quote. Just a fantastic quote. It's dramatic. It's in Kirk's quarters. And it's Dr. McCoy who actually says it. In this galaxy, there's a mathematical probability of 3 million Earth-type planets. And in all the universe... Three million million galaxies like this one, which I really don't understand what that number million million is. But anyway, and all that and perhaps more, only one of each of us don't destroy the drummer named Fark. I mean, that's a good quote. Don't get me wrong. Thank you. But that's not a Farkism. Kirk. Fark, there's a K in it, so it works. It is. It's a Farkism. No, I don't. Sorry. Oh, it's actually an RK. RK. K-I-R-K-F-A-R-K. Kirk Fark. There you go. Yeah. No. Works for me. No. What is three million million galaxies? That's not even a real number. I've always had a problem with that quote, even though it's a great quote. I... You, you got to ask somebody who knows. Amy Nelson, can you please let us know what three million million galaxies like this one means? Because I really need to know that. That's your homework assignment. Anyway, get their albums. Five year mission. <laughs> yeah, thank you for picking that back up because <laughs> I was uh, I was close to death over here. Uh, <laughs> Five year mission net. Go get all their stuff. Forget Dan's math because he's terrible. <laughs> Don't forget you too can support the Truck Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. Uh, Dan, mm. we have a lot of fun with our patrons we online. Oh, they boy. get all kinds of special exclusive content like raw audio of our episodes, you know, before all the music and stuff gets in- inserted. Always fun. Um, and um, we're, we're, we just uh, actually are hoping to get the 
most recent Patreon pin from Fansets oh, back. Oh, yes. To send out to them pretty soon. I know. We've seen it. It looks fantastic, and you will not be disappointed. Uh, so if you want that, as well as all kinds of other perks, just you know, head on over to Patreon. But right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks, because as always, we are so grateful for their support. So thank you so much, Vikram Bot, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mullenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hodgins. So gracious. So wonderful. Yes. Yes. And we also, Dan, want to thank our our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia. I see a trend there. Huh. Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shasky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the audaciously awesome Jude Tatman. He is audaciously awesome. So audacious, so awesome. The double A's right there. So you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It's so easy to do, even Bill can do it. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next time we convene here on Ye Old uh, Flagship, we're going to head back to where it all started as we discuss an original series classic, which I know is one of your favorites. I, it is. It's not It's not Balance of Terror, which we talked about in the Farkism, which was a good Farkism, by the way. Um, it's always been one of my favorites. And <laughs> that's before this episode actually had ties to the mirror universe in Star Trek Enterprise. Yes, next time we're going to deep dive into a third season classic. Chekhov goes bonkers. McCoy's hand passes through a table and a man. Uh, the original USS Defiant and uh, Captain Kirk's ghost. Huh? It's Commander Loskeen and the Tholian Web. And it's next time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Oh, my hand's going to pass through a man in a second. <laughs> Just cut it out. Wow. For even more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks podcast network. Dan, so many shows created by fans who are passionate and just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's vision. This week alone, Dan, alone. Deep Space Pride is dropping their conversation with Star Trek The Next Generation's Will Wheaton. Boom! Host of The Ready Room. Unbelievable. And the Sci-Fi Sisters have managed to have a conversation with Melissa Navia from Star Trek Strange New World. I... That's right. Lieutenant Ortega wow. boarding the mothership. Unbelievable. I am so happy for both of those shows. Those are huge gets, and I cannot wait to listen to both of those shows. Well, you know, you can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to, to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, <laughs> no one talks Trek like we do. Certainly not this week. And for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number whatever it was. 284. 284. I'm so unprepared. It's the COVID talking. Um, we do hope you all live long and prosper. 
Coconut, baby, coconut. Mm-mm-mm. Really, you're not going to say fark and just stop it there? Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Well, the recording room doesn't make a sound anymore, but mm. Bing Bong? Bing Bong, we can do we can do it. Bing Bong, COVID head. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, I've missed you, man. It's been a long time. It, it was a rough couple of weeks. I'm not I'm even going to say it. You know I'm right. I want to say it so bad. What? It's been a long time. No, you're since we recorded, that's what I was going to say. It has yeah. been. Because <laughs> you're prohibited from that other thing. Ah, it's good to see you, man. You look good. You look back to normal. I, I, I feel a lot better. Good. Ex- that's good. Excellent. Yeah, the brain fog lingered for a while. Um, but it, it really did feel like the worst cold I've ever had. You didn't forget about me, did you? Ever. Who are you? Yeah. Who's this? <laughs> Where am I? Well, no, I know you had it a lot longer than I had it. And uh, I'm glad that you didn't have too strong of symptoms that unfortunately people get but uh yeah so yeah yeah the 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 cold was bad Mm -hmm. there was some coughing the headaches weren't my favorite um but largely you know the brain fog um was was real how about your lovely bride how how did she do with it uh, about the same okay although i'd say she probably got over it quicker than i did um although um and she also tested negative earlier than I did. Yeah, you were positive for, for a while. For a couple of weeks. <laughs> but that's the thing they don't tell you, is you can test positive for up to three a months. A long time, absolutely. After you stop having symptoms. Right, yep. It's like, well, <laughs> that doesn't help me. Well, I'm glad, you're, uh, I'm glad you're, you're better. I've already been told uh, by my wife that when we get home from Vegas, I am to be testing before we leave Vegas, when we get home Vegas, then I will be here in the studio for a few nights to be safe when we get home from Vegas, just to just to make sure that she's safe from anything. So because you were typhoid Mary last night, <laughs> because coming home from Chicago with COVID was uh, right. <laughs> so anyway, so it's good to see you. It's been a, it's, well, it's good to be seen. It's it's good to be uh, talking Star Trek again. It's been a while. We've gone a long time without uh, an episode, so I've been looking forward to, to getting You're together. Itching to say no, I actually too. am not. I'm not going to say it. I, I'm not. I'll wait a few months and then I'll say that I'll say it. And I'll say that it was a long time getting um, to say that then to now. What you seem to forget is you are prohibited. <laughs> that was Isabel is not. Happy I don't think about she's it. happy that I can't say it. No, got, she's I think that's not what happy it is. that you're bringing she's it like, up. She's like, I want to hear it. <laughs> that's what it is. So, so speaking of animals, I got a fun story for you and the listeners. That happened just this past week. 
Uh, it, if it's fun, I can't wait for the frivolity that's about to ensue. So you know um, how far, yeah, how, what my, my yard looks like. In the backyard has a pond about 60 yards away from the house, and it's down a hill, and there's rocks and shrubs and, and a very thick greenery between the pond and the house. Yeah. So I'm mowing the lawn last week. And on the farthest side of the house, away from this pond, I'm mowing the lawn and I'm just going along, do 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 do. And lo and behold, right in front of me, right there, is a turtle, just sitting there. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It has happened once before, and I took the turtle and I brought it back to the to the pond. So I go in the garage and I get my gloves because I don't want to get you know bitten by a turtle if it's a snapping turtle or something like that. So I come out with the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> turtle cooties turtle cooties and i go down and i go down to re- and it's about you know, i'm holding up my hands its shell was probably about this big it wasn't a super huge turtle but it was a good you know like a like a softball sized shell it, you know you say this big and nobody listening well, has any idea what, what i was telling about. you but then i described it very 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 well i thought softball sized shell so yeah. be quiet and let me finish the story so i go down to to pick it up and it hisses at me which is interesting because turtles don't have vocal cords. And I did some reading, and it's basically they expel the air out of their body as quickly as they can to make a noise. So I, I heard that. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm reached down where I'm going to pick it up, and I stop and start to stand up, and I look, and sh- she's sitting on this hole, and she's laying eggs. This turtle is laying eggs in my yard. So... The turtle is just like you. <laughs> so I'm like, well, this is interesting. So I go and I do some reading about what they do and they find a spot and then they, they lay the eggs and then they cover it all back up and they never return again after they lay the eggs. The mother goes away. Really? Never to return. So I'm watching and now I'm on the deck with the binoculars watching to see if it's still there, watching to see if it's still there. And within one five minute break, it was gone. And I went back and the hole was completely covered up and this turtle was nowhere to be found. So turtles are not as slow as people think they may be because this turtle like scurried away. So I have now since covered it with like chicken wire so that the skunks or the raccoons can't dig them up and eat them. And they hatch in about 90 days. So at the, uh, in September timeframe, I'll be watching to see if they hatch and then I'll, I'll, I'll get them down to the pond. Little baby turtles. Pretty sure they'll find their own. Way. I know, but I want to help. I want to be like a daddy turtle. <laughs> So, so yeah. So who is slower, the turtle or you? Oh, definitely me. That turtle was gone. It was <laughs> gone. I was like, where did he go? How could he? It was like not even five minutes. How did a turtle fill up the hole and run away to not be seen within like a five minute time frame? It just, I just couldn't believe it. So, so yeah. Wow. I, I've learned things today. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I, it, and it, it, it found, it says that they look for the best spot and it's like, this is the furthest away from the pond that you can get on this property. Why did you come all the way up here? Now you got to find your way back there. And then your little baby turtles got to figure out how to get there because when they're born, they already know how to hunt and have survival instincts. So that's why the mother never returns to them again. Maybe it's the safest spot. Could be, could be. But hopefully there will not be any animals digging up those eggs. There were three in there when I looked, but I don't know how many she felt. She could have laid a whole clutch. I don't know. She could have had a whole bunch of them. No idea. <laughs> a whole what? Clutch. That's a real term, I think. Clutch of eggs. I believe that's correct. Any any uh, ornithologist or turtleologist can figure out what that is. You're using words that I'm not convinced you actually know. <laughs> A clutch of eggs is a total number of eggs laid in one nesting attempt. 
I just looked it up. It's a bird thing. I don't know what the turtles are called, but I'm going with clutch. Sounded good. I sound like a like a marine biologist or something. I don't know. I'm going with it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm very suspicious of this whole thing. I got the picture. I got the picture of the turtle. I'll have to send it to oh, you. No, I, I've seen, no, oh, no. I, 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 I saw it on. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw it. I know. I just... I'm. You seem really well-read and versed on this, and you you don't normally speak this way. I was very excited to have a, an animal decide to um, put their creation of life in my yard, so I read up on it. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> Let's find the best wait. sacred place we can. How about Dan's yard? Oh. I can't wait till you're like, you know, an old, old man in the rest home, staring out the window, looking for turtles to be laying eggs at the retirement community. Yep. The random squirrel will come by <laughs> and you're going to treat him like a prophet. Um, you're going to be sitting at the window every day, maybe in your underwear, no, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Um, with binoculars. Could be. Yeah. Oh, I'll have the binoculars. Mm-hmm. Got to have the binoculars. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my turtle story. Yeah. I saw a turtle. So I was I was actually going to reference the I saw an eagle line, but decided not to. So thank you. Glad you did that. Dan's Wildlife Podcast coming to the Trek Geeks Podcast Network in 2040. 2040. Wow. I'll be yeah. at that old home we'll by a then. Long, we'll get a long list of shows. <laughs> My God, we do. It's going crazy. So yeah. Did you see that Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine are hosting the real Love Boat? I, it's a reality show of some I sort. I see that. I, and I'm I'm kind of wondering why we and our good friend John Champion are not involved in that somehow. <laughs> how how are we not doing the official after show? I, 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 uh, yet we're not doing the official after show yet. Yet, <laughs> which uh, suffice to say, because this is a CBS thing, we won't be doing the official. That's after probably show. true. Yes, I would think so. Yes, they don't want. But you got that wonderful that. T-shirt tuxedo like uniform thing, don't you? That would look great on the after show. I in order to do a, a love boat related after show, we'd I think we'd actually have to get love boat uniforms and be on a ship. Like the, well, no, it, regardless of where we are, we'd have to have like those those white uniforms mm-hmm. with the you know, with the um, the rank on the shoulders and everything. Right. Um, but oh yeah, somebody would need to wear the Isaac red. I jacket. will do the Isaac red jacket. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be. Happy. I think Champion would try to beat you up for it. Champion will do what I tell him. No, he won't. no, he won't do anything. No, he won't. I will do what he says. He's wiry. He- <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, replacements <laughs> reference. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. It's my f- my favorite sports movie of all time is The Replacements. I've never seen it, but I will say that we've been watching some Office. And last night, we uh, the uh, episode where they have uh, um, a fire drill at the beginning of the episode started. <laughs> and I don't think I've burst out loud laughing loudly in one quick, like, blah, as when she threw the cat up into the ceiling and it came down the <laughs> Save Bandit. <laughs> that was Why is the fire shooting at us? <laughs> God, that was funny. And then we we didn't that, we didn't get any further than that because it was time to go to bed, so we didn't finish it. Oh, there are some golden moments in the rest of that episode. I have to watch it. Uh, it's it's one of my wife's favorites with the whole CPR scene. Okay, later on. Oh, that's that episode. That's that okay. Episode. All right. Um, the episode before that was dinner at Michael's. So I have dinner now party. seen the whole dinner party episode. Because I'd only seen the last 15 minutes last time it was on. That one night. <laughs> mm. I'm uh, dancing like that. Shush it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Sounds like Master Nuts Norgenmaker. <laughs> no rhyming. <laughs> Jeez. 
Oh, goodness gracious. I really think it ties the whole the apartment together. <laughs> Can we please take down the beer sign? <laughs> yeah, I love how Mary Chifo's mom is in that episode. Yes, and she looks like Mary. Or Mary looks like her, I guess you could say. But yeah, yeah. that's a that's a yeah. good episode. That is a, yeah. just cringeworthy moments. So The Replacements okay. is now like 20 years old or more. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene Hackman, Keanu Reeves. Um, it is, it is fantastic. Never. It's about, it, it takes, it's about, um, uh, a strike in the professional football league and they bring in replacement players. Okay. So it's kind of modeled after this, the football strike that happened when we were, I want to say in our teens, yeah, maybe yeah. where they brought in the scab players. Okay. Um, it, it's a great sports movie and it's funny. Okay. I, I, rem- I see the jacket. I'm looking at the, at the poster right now and I, 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 that looks familiar, but I've never seen, never seen a second of it. John Madden and Pat Summerall are in oh, it. Oh gosh, I'm sure that's good then. Huh. Um, it's uh, it's funny. Okay, it's not bad. All right. Pl- so there we have it. Uh, Bill's movie moment here in the uh, the 11 minute mark of the uh, John Favreau's in it. He is wow. John Favreau about 85 pounds ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fat shaming because I mean I could lose some weight, but uh, okay. John is John is definitely built very differently. All right. In this movie. Good. Good to know. They're all right. Excellent. Look at all the so, different things we've talked about in the time since we last spoke. It's been a long time since we've done this. It has been. Oh, God, I, almost, <laughs> I was almost going to like like hurt myself. I was going to get so excited. but That's not happening. Not going to happen anyway. All right. Are you, uh, you ready to do some, you do some news? Oh my, wow. Yes. Let's do some news. I got to get my music voice ready. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The people are, can't wait for that. All right. Shut up.